Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Just want to acknowledge those of you that are watching with us on Facebook Live. Welcome to Blessing Sunday 2019 at Destiny Generation Church. We are so excited about your being here and your presence as a part of what we're doing today. There's been information that's been provided online so that you could also, um, even if you're not here, you could get the prayer petitions, could send us this information, and so that we can just stand in agreement with you, or you could even mail it to us, and so that as our destiny partners, that um, God can work on your life in the way that he's working on us. And so please know that that's available to you. Um, for those in the sanctuary, as we said earlier, you should have a copy to, to give to us and a copy for you to keep. If not, you uh, give it uh, while when we do our blessing at the end, and then um, we'll make sure that you get a copy um, before you leave, and we can make sure that you have that. Um, um, as we've said before, please, please take the time that it takes, and if you're doing you know, I don't know about you, but I, I can remember days when I was in college and if I knew the homework was going to be turned in at the end of class, I might be working on it while the lecture is going on. Now, none of you was like that. None of you were like that, but I'm just saying. So if you're working on your homework while I'm, I'm, I'm doing my thing, I'm not even mad at you. I'm not, I'm not even mad at you. I want you to take the time because, you know, um, I'm, I'm, I'm ministering, but God may say something else to you in the message, and then you might have a final thought that you need to get down there. I, I was praying this morning, and Lady Nedra and I had worked it out, and we had done a thing the night before, but, you know, when she was, you know, snug as a bug in a rug in the bed, and I'm still up there getting ready for Sunday, the Lord said something else. So I had to tell her in the morning, hey, this is what, this was what else happened after you was safely, soundly asleep. Okay. So I'm just saying he might still be talking. So please take the time that it takes to update that information. And then at the end of service, we'll call everyone up. We'll do our, our standard um, prayer, um, prayer calls, and then we'll pray specifically over the petitions, invoking the power of our collective prayer and agreement. And then we're going to take time to also minister um, to our young people specifically, because that is one of the goal areas that God has told us to move on, if you remember from your prophetic impressions chart. Now, please, please um, don't run off. I, I forgot to tell those of you that were here that um, our neighbor um, that from the business up the street had texted me uh, two Sundays ago saying, hey, what time is your service over? Because I want to bring some chicken. I said, no, we fasting. Don't bring no chicken today. Don't bring no chicken up in here, up in here today. I said, but on the fourth Sunday, you still want to bring some chicken so we can celebrate. I said, yeah, that's a good day to celebrate. You can bring it on the fourth Sunday. So don't run off. Don't run off. I meant to get the, the kitchen committee all prepared. I don't know what we're going to do, but he's bringing it. And I didn't want to turn him down in Jesus name. You got it prepared. Thank you. Thank you. Lady Nedra is good. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. And, and um, again, as I said, for those that were here earlier, but also for the sake of those that are watching, please, please um, go back through our series on um, Seeking the Lord for 2019. That's on YouTube or on our Facebook page. And 
to the two services that we've done on stewardship at Men of Destiny. Ladies, you can look at it too. It's nothing there that's X-rated that you can't see or hear in Jesus' name. And um, because yesterday we talked about um, time and purpose and vision and goals. And for those of you that were here at the beginning of service, you heard uh, Brother Jonathan minister out of the overflow of that. And it was really dynamic. And so I really would encourage you to do that because all of these things are going together. All of these things are going together. Uh, just one more thing for those online, please, please take the time to like, share, help other people to be a real destiny partner. Help, help me get the word out so that people like you can experience the difference of destiny. Thank you, and we appreciate you for your, your help in that regard. Okay, all right, so let's, let's get into the word today, destined for deliverance, but the blessing Sunday edition. Um, our objectives are the same that we had before. Number one, to elaborate on the doctrine of deliverance. As something included in your salvation, but often inexperience is distinct from it. In other words, some people are saved that haven't walked through all of the deliverance that God has for them, even though it's available to them. And so we want you to not leave the deliverance part of your salvation benefit package on the table. All right? And then the second is to illuminate the multifaceted nature of deliverance. Some people have deliverance in one area, but can still be bound in other areas of their lives. Right? I thought I was cool till I had a panic attack, and then I realized there was some fear still down up in there. I didn't even know. You would have told me, I'd have said, Nope, I'm good. Until something showed up, and then I said, I needed some more deliverance. Three, to cultivate a desire, a demand, a diligence, a discipline, a discipleship, and a dominion for deliverance. And really, this day, we're going to talk about making sure you have the desire for it and utilizing your prayer petitions to make a demand for the thing that you desire. And then our follow-up actions will be talking about being diligent. Okay, you prayed about this. Now, don't counterfeit your prayer by doing something that acts against the thing that you ask God to do for you. Don't ask God to prosper you when then he tell you to give and then you choke up. Don't ask God to heal you and then he tell you to forgive this person and then you stop it. Okay? So we're going to talk about that. Number four, to accelerate you toward the deliverance that God intends in each area of your life. And so Blessing Sunday, this process of blessing, is a part of the acceleration. We believe that as we pray corporately, as we set our faith on these things, as we call on God, as we sow our seeds, that those are actions and activities that accelerate us towards deliverance. And then finally to insulate you from losing ground in your deliverance. One of the things we're going to make sure that we do this year is we're going to make sure that we know not only the deliverance, the things that get us delivered, but we're going to know the things that we'll have to maintain to retain deliverance. We don't want you to have a hokey-pokey salvation. You put your left foot in. You take your left foot out, you put your left foot in, and you shake it all about. 
You do the hokey pokey. Some people's salvation is like that. They get a little bit, and then they take it out. Get a little bit more, and they shake it all about, right? I don't want your deliverance to be like that because each time you gain and lose it, it gets harder to get it back. Jesus told people, go and sin no more, lest not the same thing happen, but a worse thing happen to you. So we need to insulate ourselves from losing ground that we gain. Man, I had, I have really had a good, you know, workout routine and regimen, had a, had a, um, a trainer that I was working with, and my trainer, she got fired. And my whole rhythm got thrown off. I ain't going to. My whole rhythm got thrown off. My work rhythm, because I had a way, I packed up all my clothes when I went to work. You know, I could run across to LA Fitness. I could get in, get my thing done, and get back to work, and everything was cool. And then when my rhythm got off, it was hard for me to get back into it. All right? That's on my list for 2019, praise the Lord. That's on my on my list, because I need to insulate myself from losing, from gaining ground and losing it and having a hokey pokey with my health. All right? So we want to really be, um, just be mindful of that, that point. Remember our prophetic impression about deliverance is that God is calling you to receive Jesus' ministry of deliverance from hurts, hindrances, habits, and strongholds. And strongholds don't don't necessarily are things that you did. Some of them are stuff that's done to you. Further, he is calling you to be his minister of deliverance. In other words, your deliverance should be so strong that you not only get the devil off you, but you can get him off other pe- get him off other people in the area that Lord the Lord has delivered you from. That's when you know you really got it. When you can help people get what you got, then you got it. You know, the Lord, the Lord turn, turn your marriage around, and then you can help somebody else get theirs turned around. Chill, then you really know. That's when you really know you know it, right? That's why we're going through this believer's catechism in a way to make sure that not only do you know it to, to, to just give us an answer back on the test, but if I, if I assign somebody to you that you could teach them what you have learned. You know, that is what Jesus said, isn't it? He wants you right? Teach them the things that I have commanded you. All right. And so, um, God, don't, don't think you're going to get your deliverance and then keep it quiet. No, no, you're going to have to get somebody the real testimony. You know, the uncut version. You, you ain't going to be able to tell them, well, you just need to stop that. No, you need to stop that because I was doing that. <laughs> you yeah, me was doing that. Yeah, you're going to have to tell them, and you're going to have to tell them how God got you out. So then church becomes relatable. I mean, if he can turn your life around, I don't even, you don't even look like you've been through something like what I have been through. Then, they're, no, 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 no. God really is real, and he'll do it for you too because he did it for me. And oh, by the way, you overcome by your testimony. So the fact that you are able and willing to help somebody with the strength of your own testimony keeps you free from it. 
Because I can't testify something and then go play back and play with it. See, see, when, <laughs> see, if I make a public testimony that I'm going to work out every day, then y'all going to be looking at me. Then I'm going to have to think twice before I, you see what I'm saying? So it's, that's, that's why your testimony helps you to overcome. People wonder why they ain't got power to stay delivered because you ain't telling people the real testimony. You're trying to protect your reputation when Jesus said you shouldn't have a reputation. All right, that was free. <laughs> Romans chapter 10, verses 8 through 13 is our, our key scripture from today, at least one of them. Got two other scriptures um, um, that we'll go through today. Romans 10, 8 through 13. This part is a little bit of review. And it says, but what does it say? But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And we've studied saved and just said that it's more than fire insurance. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. In other words, when I'm preaching, you have to take my words to heart, really ingest them, and take them as if they're personally God speaking to you. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So I can't have a quiet salvation. I'm going to have to open my mouth and say something. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. That's why I'm willing to get your hopes up. That's why I'm willing to get you to stretch yourself to believe stuff that is so deep, it hurts you to even want to hope again. Because this scripture promises me something. Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Verse 12 says, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all, not to all, to all who call upon him. He will be rich if you get to calling. If you keep your mouth shut, he poor for you. He not, he not poor, but for you he is. He's not rich to you until you open your mouth and call for it. That's why when we do our blessing thing at the end, I'm not going to be the only one talking up here. Because I want you to call. I want you to believe. I want you to believe so that shame is pushed from your life. And I want you to call so his riches will manifest to you. And then finally, verse 13, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right? So I gave you a graphic about this, about being a person sent from God, and, and how, how, does, how does this work? I said, first of all, it really starts with God, and then God saying, like he said to Isaiah, who will go for us? And then Isaiah, and then a preacher being found, such as your pastor, saying, send me, Lord, I'll go. And so being sent from God, that preacher is responsible to say things on behalf of God. Then you are responsible to hear what that preacher says 
believe what that preacher says. If you hear it, believe it. Take my words to heart. God calls you right at the moment you believe. Your belief changes your relationship with God. And he says, whoever believes on him, he will release them from shame. See, that's why I don't let people embarrass me about the problems I'm going through. Because if I stay with this problem, if I stay with this process and get my stuff fixed, I ain't going to be embarrassed no more. He will remove the source of my embarrassment. That's why I don't let people get in my head. You know, I'm in a situation and I'm having a hard time. And then they say they have somebody that can help me up front. And they say, we want to have, hey, are there any questions? Do anybody need any help? Everybody else throwing patty cake questions. Bump that. These people don't have to go home with me. They're not with me when I'm crying over my issue at home. They're not with me when I'm stretching out and asking God and trying to get it fixed. Forget them. So I raise my hand, and then I tell them the real issue. This is what's going on. We're not getting along, and this stuff is getting in my head. I'm bothered by it. And then everybody else said, did he say that? Yeah, he said that. Because when I get released from shame, y'all going to still be playing like you got it together, but I'm going to have it together. Because he that believes, God releases him from shame. That's why you got to be willing to get real help. The people that got delivered asked for it. And they, wasn't, they didn't let people around them embarrass them. Because they don't go home with you. They're not crying themselves to sleep when you're crying yourself to sleep. They're not dealing with what you're dealing with. They have no heaven or, or hell to put you in. All they got is their opinions. Now, in the age of social media, everybody wants to give you their opinion. Like. Like, see, that's for you Facebook people. You don't know Facebook, you don't know what I'm talking about. But everybody wants to give you their opinion. But their opinion, you can take them likes and a dollar, and whatever you can spend it on will be just whatever the dollar gives you. Don't let people shame you from getting what God wants to give you. You need to take God's word to heart, believe it, and really do the things he's telling you to do, because if he fixes it, it won't be there no more. They'll still be acting like they got it together, and you'll have it together. All right? So his riches, put the graphic back up. His, he he, he gives, makes us righteousness. He releases us for shame just from believing, and then we call to it. We open our mouths and call to it. We open our mouths and call to it. I don't want to say it because what if it don't manifest? We open our mouths and call to it. And then God's riches come to me because I'm willing to believe it and call to it. Well, the doctor told me I can't get healed. I'm calling to my healing. They told me my income is fixed. I'm calling to my prosperity. They told me my child has a learning disability that he'll carry his entire life. I'm calling to the seed of the righteous being delivered. I'm calling to it 
Because when I call to it, let's see the graphic again, God's riches and salvation are manifested in my situation. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's my salvation. God is rich to all who call to it. Your deliverance is voice activated. Your deliverance is voice activated. If you're unwilling to believe what I'm telling you enough to call to, call to it, it's not going to work. But I'm calling, baby. <laughs> I'm calling to it. Yeah, I'm calling to it. God said he would save us. Let's look at the definition we gave you for saved. It's the word sozo. It literally means to be safe, to be delivered and protected, to be preserved, to be healed, to be made whole, and to do well. Sometimes we try to give God these, well, God, if you would just, you know, I don't want the whole thing. We think we greedy by asking him for what, I, for what we want and what we really need. God, if you, would, if you would just do this, and then when we get that, we're not happy because we wish we had to ask for more. Right? We said that that word saved has the concept of being slippery, where the enemy is trying to bind you, and you're able to slip away from him because you're covered with his anointing. The God that we call to is the God of deliverance. One of the names of God that speaks to his deliverance is that he is your redeemer. So we're going to spend some time understanding that the God you call on calls himself your Redeemer. Let's look at Isaiah 43. We're going to read verses 14 through 19. Media team, we're going to start there, and then we're going to flip to my definition, all right? Get that ready. Isaiah 43, 14. Thus says the Lord, now the Lord is talking to you, and he calls himself your Redeemer the Holy One of Israel. Now, let's look at the word. Let's look at my definition for Redeemer. What does that word Redeemer mean? The word there, that's the Hebrew word ga'al. It's a word to redeem, but it's not redeem like you're redeeming a coupon. It's using it according to Middle Eastern law, which said that if I got in trouble and I had a big brother with a lot of money, I would have a land inheritance that was in my family, and my big brother who had the money could buy my land and give it back to me so that the land stays within my family. Redeemer, that's what it means when it talks about the next of kin buying back a relative's property. 
It would also say, if I came from a family of brothers, and then um, I, I married a wife and died before I could have children, that my brother had to take my wife and then bear a son, not for his name, but for my name to get going. The name Redeemer also means you come for me, my Redeemer is coming for you. He's an avenger and revenger if you do me wrong. The name Redeemer means I get in trouble and you deliver me out of situations. If I was kidnapped, my Redeemer would spend the money to purchase my freedom. He would give the ransom. He would pay the ransom. All of those are the concepts. And the Lord says he's all these things to you. The reason that we call on the God call on God to deliver us is because he calls himself the deliverer. That's what the title redeemer means. I get in trouble, he's coming to get me. I don't have to convince him to do that. He's got to convince me to accept it. I'm not asking him to do something he don't want to do. Redeemer is who he is. He called himself redeemer. I didn't call him that. He called himself that. But because he calls himself that, and he'll be that if I call him that. I call him that too. Because the Lord is rich to all who call upon him. And whoever call on his name, understanding that his name includes deliverer or redeemer, gets it. So I don't have a problem asking him to fix stuff. He is the fixer. That, that's what the name means. All right, let's go back to the scripture. Thus says the Lord, your, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sakes I will send to Babylon and bring them all down as fugitives, the Chaldeans who rejoice in ships. All right? So first of all, he's our Redeemer. He's the Holy One of Israel, which means he has a singular, specific covenant promise, um, and he has character, commitment, and creative power to deliver you out of all situations. All right? He's talking about when he talks there about um, being delivering you from the Babylonians, he was saying those are the people who were the superpower of their day. The Babylonians were to the um, to the Israelites were the, what the Egyptians were when they were enslaved to them at that earlier time during Moses' time. In Isaiah' time, it was the Babylonians that were the big dogs in the neighborhood. They were the big bullies as a nation. So he's saying, I'm going to take care of your bully for you. You can't handle it, but I got this one. All right? Verse 15 says, I am the Lord, your holy one, the creator of Israel, your king. Thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters. Now he begins to, to rehearse his resume. I did some things in the past to deliver you before. This isn't the first time that you needed deliverance that I done delivered you. Isn't it good to know that you got history with God? David said it this way. He helped me slide, slay the lion and the bear and Goliath. I'm going to take your head off too. All right? So um, verse 17, who brought forth the chariot and horse, the army and the power. 
They shall lie down together. They shall not rise. They are extinguished. They are quenched like a wick. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Uh-oh, I have delivered you before, but you ain't seen nothing yet. Behold, I will do a new thing. I will deliver you in brand new ways that you haven't seen before. I got new miracles. I got, you know, if God come to you one way, then we always think he got to come that same way, right? You know what I'm saying? You know, we had a deliverance service and somebody and they had a pew and, you know, granny prayed at that pew and her tear stains are still on the altar. And so we can't get a new altar because those tear stains are the thing that get us delivered, right? So we go right back to that one thing thinking he got to do it the same way that he did it before. No, he said, I'm going to do a new thing that you haven't seen before. I got, I got creative ways. I'm a creator. I am creative. I got ways to deliver you that you ain't even heard yet. Verse 19, behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. He said, I made a road in the sea, but now I'll make a road in the wilderness. He said, oh, yeah, I can, I can flip the script. I got stuff. Just when Satan thinks he got you boxed in, he only thinks he boxed, got you boxed in because he remember what I did the last time, and he thinks he closed that one off. But he don't know. I got new stuff that he don't even know about yet. Heaven got new ways to deliver you. Earth ain't even seen. Hell don't even know nothing about yet. Let's look at it in Isaiah 48, verses 17 through 19. We're going to see some of the same language here. Isaiah 48, 17 through 19. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer. Okay, he's the Lord, our Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel that says he's got a covenant commitment to me. That's what it means. I'm my character of delivering you is unquestionable, and I'm committed to you by covenant. That's what it means when he says he's the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you by the way you should go. This time, he gives a different revelation on the process of redemption. This revelation tells us that there is a certain amount of discipline required for your deliverance. He teaches us on how to advance against adversity. So as you pray, the answer will come through teaching. Make sure you hear when the teaching comes forth with your answer. Don't pray, and then you pray and put this sheet, and then I'm taking the sheet and praying, and then the Sunday that, that your answer is being taught, you someplace else playing. He teaches you to profit. Your advancement will come through teaching. The answer to your prayer is going to come in my message. That's teaching. 
He's teaching. So I got to make sure that as I lay my petition out to God, I'm going to be here waiting for answers to the things that's on my list. I, this might be the Sunday that God answers the steps I need to take to get this new house I've been asking him for. Get rid of this debt that's bothering me. Get rid of the issue with my marriage. Help me with my children to know what to do on the job. To know how to get out of this habit that has plagued me for all these years. This might be my Sunday. I'm not going to miss it because he teaches me to profit. Not only does he teach me, but he leads me by the way I should go. I should expect as an answer in my prayer time to begin to get nudgings from the Holy Spirit to take steps in a specific direction. He's not going to give me the whole path. He's going to give me a leading. And to the extent that I take the first step that he's leading me to, he'll give me another step. But he ain't going to tell me step two until I take step one. Sometimes we want God to give us new instructions when we haven't obeyed the last instruction he gave us. And then we think we're waiting on God, but really he's waiting on us. So, as a part of my Blessing Sunday process, I'm going to cultivate a sensitivity to the leading of the Holy Spirit. I ain't going to be there saying, something told me that I should have done that, and then I didn't do what the something told me. Because it's not something, it's someone. And the someone is not giving suggestions. He's making commandments. Does that make sense? You're going to have to, if you're going to have him be your redeemer, you're going to have to be where you can get the teaching, and you're going to have to be sensitive enough to follow the leading of what he's telling you to do. Now, when he's giving you your leading, it's not a community instruction. So don't take a poll to figure out did God speak to you. I think I heard God. What do you think? 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 Because people will talk you out of your own leading. And then they'll leave you in your problem and they'll get tired of hearing you tell them about your problem when they were the one who talked you out of doing the thing the Lord was leading you to do. And then they get tired of hearing you. Because God never sleeps so slumber and doesn't get tired, but they do. So then you have to be sensitive and be willing to obey the voice of your Lord, your Redeemer, on the instruction he's giving you. Because he is going to lead you in the way you should go. You have confession that we say Every time I preach, you are a finder of the destiny path of God for your life. So you should believe that he's going to open his mouth and begin to nudge you to go in a specific direction. And when he does, go! Your Redeemer is going to lead you. The steps he gives you will walk you out of your problems into the place of prosperity. 
Now look at verse 18. This is, this is God speaking here. Oh, that you had heeded my commandments. Oh, I wish you didn't treat them like suggestions that you could ignore. I wish that the thing that I, I told you, you actually treated it like I was the Lord, not just your big buddy, the man upstairs. The man on the second floor, I can tell him no. I talked to the man upstairs. You ever heard that terminology? If he's just the man upstairs, <laughs> he's just the man upstairs. I can tell him no. But if he's the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, my Redeemer, then I got to do what comes out of his mouth. Oh, that you had heeded my commandments, then your peace would have been like a river. Oh, so then my getting redemption is tied to his ongoing lordship, making a commitment to taking his instructions and his directions as orders, not suggestions. He's saying my peace would be like a river. He's saying... His cry, if you will, is that if he could only get his people to do what he says to them step by step, that they would get to a place of overflowing peace, not a place of overflowing problems. Most of us, our problems are like a river that we drown in it. And he's saying, your peace would be like a river. Your peace would flow. You could swim in it, in your peace. You can chill in it. You could, you could ride the waves of your peace. You're not going to drown. It's your peace. Well, you can swim in your peace. You understand what I'm saying? That's what he's saying. Your peace would be like a river. Uh, and your righteousness like waves of the sea. Not only would... Your peace be like a river, but you would get to this place of winning not by hooking and crooking, cheating and stealing. Your righteousness would be like the waves of the just like waves rushing on your beach. That's what he's saying, that he's that kind of redeemer that's going to give you teaching and leadings to get you to this place, all right? But not only would this affect you, it would affect the generations that follow you, all right? Look at verse 19. Your descendants also would have become like the sand and the offspring of your body like the grains of sand. His name would not have been cut off nor destroyed from before me. So he's saying he would redeem you to the point that what had been a generational curse would now be a generational blessing. The man that fears the Lord, that delights greatly in his commandments, his seed shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. 
So what God is telling you is how you walk through your deliverance will have impact on the generations that follow you. So I want to, I want to win certain battles so that my generations never have to deal with it again. I'm fighting certain fights in my life so that my seed will never have to deal with it ever again. Like, they might have a different devil, but that one I done took out. It, that's what that said, isn't it? That's what that says. So, um, all right, devil, we, we got to fight this one out. Okay, it's on. But when I get done with you, you will never have an entry in this area in my family ever again. That's what that says. If a person said that, then you could discount it. But this is the Lord, your Redeemer, talking. This is him saying it. All right? Now, why is this important for Blessing Sunday? Because the things that you got on your list do impact the children that are following you. And we want to make sure that not only you walk in your deliverance, but that your deliverance spread to your whole generation. Come on, let's stand. Did this bless you? Yeah. Hallelujah. You got a redeemer. You got a redeemer. All you need to do is believe him and call to him. Oh, you got a redeemer. Oh, yeah, he is a deliverer. Listen, whatever ransom price that the devil tries to, to he, he got more than enough money to get you out of any situation. He can pay whatever price needs to be paid. He is your kinsman redeemer. You family to him. He is your big brother. He is your father. He is the holy one of Israel. He has covenant commitment to you. To deliver you. Sometimes I have people pause on points like this. Because when you look back at your list, you, your list might have been too small. You know, you, you might not have asked big enough when you consider the Redeemer that's making himself available to you. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're like Zacharias who stopped believing long ago and didn't want to get his hopes up one more time. Maybe you're like the, the, the great woman that served the prophet, and he said, what can we do for her? And he said, she's a great woman. She don't really want much, but she, she doesn't have a child. And the prophet said, next year you're going to have a child. He said, don't lie to me, man of God, now. Don't get, my, don't get my emotions. Don't get me in my feelings. I done, I done, I done made peace with that area of my life. You know, I didn't just, I just let it go. I did the frozen, let it go. The cold don't bother me anyway. I don't want it no more. Don't, don't get me stirring up this thing. Cause if you stir it up and then you dash it down, I'm going to be hurt one more time. And I don't like hurting in that area no more. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The process is, I got to believe. And I got to believe enough to expose that shameful area to him.
believing that he will remove the shame of it from my life. I got to believe enough to call to it and tell him that I want it. Ever seen a kid, you know, they in your house, they looking at the cake on the table. You want something? No, no, no. Now, you know they want it, but then they won't ask. We, see, we do that stuff. We laugh at the kids when they do it, but we do that stuff to God. We know we want it, but then we won't open our mouth and say it. 